the Flex Success Podcast, where we teach you how to be less shit. Covering all things science relating to nutrition, training, recovery, and more. Who knows, we might even sprinkle in a dick joke or two. <laughs> you should look pretty, but don't say anything. But don't look too pretty. And, you know, be sexy, but don't look too sexy. But it's like, mm. I think it's just more what we're trying to say is be confident in the fact that if you are smart, stand up and say something like don't be afraid to have an opinion and stand out and push back on people because you don't agree with something, you know? Yes. Welcome back everybody. We're here on the Flex Success podcast. We have just caught our guest today, Alicia from the Strong Woman Project, Picking Her Nose. Episode six. Uh, I'm here with my co-host, Lizzie. Hello. I don't know if it's fair to say Alicia from the Strong Woman Project. It's also Alicia from Strong Fit Magazine Australia. Ooh. And Alicia sounds very flash. Does sound very flash. <laughs> Miss CEO slash director. <laughs> it even says it on my business cards too, so it's official. <laughs> Excellent. Would you like to give our listeners an intro of who you are, what you do, and why you do it? Yeah, absolutely. So my name is, as Lizzie and Dean said, my name is Alicia. Um, I'm currently the running the magazine Strong Fitness Magazine Australia. Um, more importantly, though, I'm a mum to two boys. I have a nearly three-year-old and a five-year-old. I am a partner to Stuart, and I am previously, for about six years, I was a female-specific strength and conditioning powerlifting coach, um, and I'm about halfway through an exercise and sports science degree. And as a nutshell, that is me. Ooh. Is that a four-year degree? Um, they're three. I've put it on hold with everything because apparently you can't do everything. So, <laughs> so they say. Tell them, mum. So they say. True. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, three-year degree. Yeah, awesome. How are you finding it so far? Um, I really enjoyed like the first lot. Like I guess it's there's a lot of components of it that are really good. Like a lot of the things that you don't cover off in sort of day-to-day coaching, but there's a lot of elements of it that are are fairly repetitive for what you kind of cover off or already know. Like I think one of the last nutrition units I did, we like, it was a pretty in-depth topic about creatine, uh-huh. you know? So it's like, it's good when you're straight out of school and you're 17 and 18 and don't really understand, but it's, you know, so it, like, it is really good. I love learning. Like, even though I'm not studying, like I still, I, every time I'm in the car, I still listen to podcasts. I also audio books. So I have this massive, like, library of stored up audiobooks that I work my way through like I'm always learning so mm-hmm. but it'll be good to go back I'm like I'm looking forward to going back at some point so what was the reason that you went back to uni or that you, you started this degree what do you want to get out of it um like I said like I loved learning like I really really enjoy learning um I was already coaching like I was already coaching with them powerlifting and I just I guess I just wanted to learn more I wanted to know more about what I was doing I wanted to be Actually, there was probably a really big part being a female at the time a few years ago. Like I felt like one of the only ways I could be taken seriously or more seriously as a female would be by having actual credentials beside my name. Mm. Because although I knew as much and maybe sometimes over certain topics a bit more than some of my counterparts, there's still an element of... um, I don't even know how to explain it, but I definitely felt that I would potentially be taken more seriously having having those credentials whether that was me or whether that was industry that was a lot of how I felt mm. it's hard to say because as a female industry as well maybe I have some bias but I do agree that to be taken as seriously as a male counterpart 
uh, you need to know a little more or work a little harder because I think big buff males ha get credit or have some sort of industry. They, they, they seem reliable just because of the way they look. Mm. Um, but as a female, it's much more difficult to look super duper impressive. Not that having a good physique is correlates too much to your actual knowledge. Because a lot of the time it could come down to having a good coach or just doing the right things, but not really knowing how they work. Mm -hmm. So I would have genetics. Mm, yeah. yeah. And um, yeah. even as a male in this industry, though, like if I said I had a moderate sized brain and a moderate sized body, I will still sometimes be uh, subjected to being pushed to the side for somebody that has a miniature sized brain with a large sized body, even as a male. So then to yeah. flip that even Absolutely. into the female, it's like it's double, it's double time. So yeah. like we see it all the time. It's definitely an unfortunate thing. I think it is primarily industry. Um, and then when you say whether it's personal industry, like personal is largely dictated by what you experience within the industry you work in. So mm. it's still the, the crux is still the industry and the shift there, which is I think kind of like what we're going to get into today as well. Yeah. Well, we want to talk about um, health and fitness and what that really means and also what it doesn't mean because Alicia and I, um, we've spoken about it before that we find it really frustrating that instead of women kind of uplifting each other and up, uplifting themselves from continual education and creating value to other mm. people. Instead, they take photos of their ass and post it up and they'll get 400 likes. But when they put up a, a photo of, you know, I don't know, some food and they talk about how this food fit into their diet, they're not going to get the same attention. And sometimes attention is tempting, isn't it? Um, Absolutely. Yeah, and, and it, 100%. it can drag females in the industry down when there starts to be created this new norm of what a woman should look like in order to be respected as a coach or a powerlifter or a bodybuilder or something like that. And you cannot see fitness. I can have a client who's quite lean, let's say 15% body fat, but if we actually test the variables that indicate fitness, they could be quite low. Whereas I could have a client who's on the chubby side of things and she could outperform in fitness any day of the week, but you can't see that. It needs to be no, absolutely. measured. Mm. Um, so we're going to dive a little bit more into that. And I'd love it if you could start by sharing your experience with uh, maybe something similar. Like have, have you experienced any pressure to look a certain way so that you are taken seriously? A hundred, oh my gosh, a hundred percent. So even, I guess, probably the best thing to do is highlight like my first introduction essentially into bodybuilding. So I like, I'm probably one of these really strange people though, that loves the sport purely because I can see like the anatomy side of things and the physique. And it just, to me, it's just really cool. Like I love it. But my first time I decided to do a prep literally would have been six or seven years ago now. And it was at a time when like flexible dieting wasn't wasn't as, as prominent as what it is now. And like my diet for 30 weeks was essentially like white fish and green beans. Like I still cannot eat bassa. Like if I see bassa, I vomit in my mouth level of, I can't eat it. <laughs> so it's, you know, and I got stuck into a cycle there where for whatever reason at the time, like I was a lot younger, a lot more immature. And I was like, I essentially cultivated my own eating disorder because I was eating this way through the week. I had no knowledge around, the nutrition and the macros and the balance that was healthy. And so in the weekend I would bake and like a, a cheat meal 
would start off as like breakfast after boot camp. And then I'd be like, okay, now let's have cheap lunch. Let's do some baking. Let's bake a banana bread. Let's eat the whole banana bread. And then let's go out to dinner, you know? So like, that was my, like, that was my cycle. And then on a Sunday, I'd try and work out how much exercise I needed to do to kind of counteract all of what I'd eaten. But Mm. a huge component of that came down to the fact that I just didn't know any better. I didn't know how to work out my energy expenditure. I didn't know how to work out my calorie intake outtake. I didn't know how at the time a lot of those were diversion tactics for um, things that were maybe going on or not able to realize things. So there was definitely that pressure then to look a certain way because when you're coming, like we still, it's still confronted with us now where we're like through our Instagram feeds, through our social media, like even people that are well-meaning, you still look at it and go, okay, so this is obviously how I'm meant to look to be taken seriously you walk around any health and fitness expo and it's still like, it's getting better. Like it's getting way better. And we saw that at the Melbourne health and fitness expo, but it's still, it's still so powerful. Mm. Um, And I think powerlifting is really like powerlifting is really powerful. Like no pun intended in that sense, because the focus for a lot of women and martial arts as well, a lot of the focus on women becomes turns around to looking at yourself as an athlete, essentially, and looking at what you can do, not necessarily how you're looking, but I mean, even that in a sense comes with its own level of problems, if you will, because the extreme end of powerlifting, like any sport is not healthy. Mm. The, you know, like the body composition, a lot of the, the things that go on is definitely not the epitome of health, but then no extreme sport is. So where, you know, so there's still that problem there. Yeah. But even, like even now with, with the magazine, because I'm around women who are better role models, but they're still fit and healthy. Like our recent cover model, like she's tiny, but she still has like, she's still smart. She's still switched on. She's still a hard worker, but it's at the point where you can't compare yourself to that person and be like, okay, this is the normal. Cause it's not, it's again, it's another sort of less extreme, but still the other end of the scale to what we're talking about with like powerlifting or martial arts or any kind of mainstream sport. Although she's, Oh, I've never met her in real life, so I can't say how tiny she is. But I depending re- on when this is going to air, too, we can't say who it is yet. <laughs> oh, oh like yeah. another two weeks. The so Steph- if you know, it's just I don't. I thought you were talking about the launch issue of the magazine. Oh, Steph. Oh no, not Steph. She's like, yeah, she's a totally different story. Yeah, totally different body shape. Yeah. No, I loved that you chose her for the cover because she wasn't who would normally be on the front of a magazine. She looks great. Um, although that's subjective, of course, but she's curvy and she looks like she enjoys a piece of cake after dinner. Like she doesn't look the extreme of anything. She doesn't look unrealistic or unmaintainable. I, um, I love that. She doesn't, but to interject, Mm -hmm. the frustrating thing for me about like with that was because Steph is amazing. I love her. She's tiny. She's like four foot 12, (laughs) really short. Her and Jamie are good quality human beings. But even she said to me, like we specifically, um, we gave her like I was very specific and we're always specific with our front cover model saying we don't want you to diet for this Mm. we don't want anything of that sort because it's not it becomes less relatable to the people who are reading it and she still said she still tried to actually diet for that shoot ended up figuring out she had a whole bunch of underlying issues but like it's still she still felt the pressure for that to happen you know, and yeah, it's a front cover, I get it, and it's very confronting still, but it was still there, which sucks. Yeah, mm. it does. Yeah, it's kind of, it's Sorry, keep kind of like a, it's almost consumer-driven, but then also like self-inflicted, because consumers get mad at fitness models for doctoring pictures, 
for trying to look a particular way, for taking performance-enhancing drugs and giving up the illusion that they don't take them to look that particular way and all the rest of it. But then they also like and subscribe and buy products and financially support the same individuals that do it. So it's almost like this, I don't like you for doing this, but I'm going to pay your bills to allow you to continue. And this is almost like this really Contradicting terrible, circle. Yeah, contradicting circle yeah. of problems. Before we go on though, I want to give a quick definition of, because we're talking about what health looks like and what it doesn't look like. I want to give um, a quick example of health from mm. the Life After Dieting book. We've got Alicia, for those not uh, watching the video of this and just listening, Alicia's holding up her vanilla uh, Diet Coke or Coke Zero. Vanilla Coke, no, yeah, no sugar. And uh, what I love about that is the ongoing Coke versus Pepsi debate. And we've got Alicia on Team Coke over here. Welcome. Because I'm not dieting anymore. My taste buds are back to normal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So now you like bland drinks? Is that what you're trying to say? No. <laughs> no, I've moved away from that. See, that's what happens when I was dieting. I was drinking the Pepsi Max. And now that I'm not dieting and I realize how shit it tastes. <laughs> <laughs> it's too much. Now, when we think about health, a lot of people think about health as the lack of disease. Or they just think about health as um, physical health. But we can, we can really expand that much further. And from... MNU. Yeah, so um, MNU, we, we pulled that and put it into the Life After Dieting book. We break it down into six different categories. The first one being happiness and life satisfaction, physical and mental health, although they're different, uh, meaning and purpose, character and virtue, close social relationships, which also, of course, ties into mental health, financial and maternal security. Oh, sorry, material security. I can read. Um, but they all are kind of intertwined because if we don't have financial security and don't have access to good food, then obviously our physical health suffers, you know, but in some way we need to break it down. So we can see there that physical health is one of the many components that make up health. So let's say that we are physically healthy, we lack disease uh, and we have energy and, and things like that, but we have no meaning and purpose our mental health is probably going to suffer. We're probably not going to thrive with our close social relationships. And if we think about the purpose of trying to flourish in our health or our health pursuits, it's so that we can be happy, live a meaningful life. And all of these things are, I believe, equally important. I personally would rather be physically ill if I had financial and material security, if I had meaning and purpose, if I had close social relationships, I would choose those things over my physical health. But luckily, most of us are in the position where we don't have to choose and we can play the balancing act there. And if we are too extreme in our pursuits of um, our physical looks and we're trying to be really lean and really muscular, other things are going to suffer. And they do, Absolutely. I'm going to say 100% of the time. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Anytime you shift towards an extreme within one facet or one aspect, I should say, there's always gonna, it's always going to come to the detriment of another. Yeah, I might give an example of my dad. He um, thinks that in order to be a good father, he needs to financially provide for his family. Um, and he provided, we lived in a five story house with a boat. And he was continuing to work and work and work because he wanted more and more money to provide for us. But once we were clothed and fed and the bills were paid, any more money, any, any much of a larger house, a bigger billiard table didn't make me happier. I, I missed having a relationship with my dad. 
I never had yeah, that. Absolutely. Yeah. So we can really see that. Sure. He was working on his financial security, but what about your relationships? So we really need to play these off each other and realize that health is a broad spectrum, not just the lack of disease. It's actually really interesting you bring that up though, because of late, like you see, you see so many people talk about like, if, and it's just relating this back to something I'm experiencing at the moment, like with working through like technically a startup, you see so many people, like you can look at both ends of the extreme for this and you can see people that are like, you know, you need to be putting in all of these hours and be working, like sleeping like three, four hours a night to get this shit done. And then you see the other end of the scale that's like, you know, you need to be going to the gym and eating well and sleeping eight hours a night. And it's like, well, the, like the, the challenging thing that I'm finding at the moment is I don't want to, on this hand, I don't want to do that because at the, to that extent, because at the end of that point in time, my relationship with my kids suffer, I become grumpy, I become feral, like I can't concentrate at work, my productivity drops off, I don't get to the gym, I eat like shit, you know, and my mental health suffers. Yeah. And then on the flip side, it's also not practical for me right now to do that every day because shit changes, especially being in a family, like nothing is static every single day and sometimes things require more but it's like I think one of the best ways I used to explain it um, in regards to actually eating or just about anything is looking at things like a pendulum the further you swing one way the more it's going to have to swing back the other way essentially to try and find some level of apparent balance mm. because like anything as animals we like we crave and thrive on that level of balance and you you absolutely cannot operate at that level a hundred forever absolutely not forever and yeah. you can totally do it for short periods of time. And that's what you're looking at when people going through like preps and things like that. But I guess the really hard thing for so many people is that balance. Like I saw a post today that really pissed me off because it was this, it was this person who like, I really like, he's a really good quality like role model, but he put up a post about a snapshot of their family's day. And he's like, you know, getting up at four or five in the morning to go to the gym. And then he watches the kids while his wife goes to the gym. And then, you know, this and this and this and this and this at work. And I'm like, but this isn't like, this isn't possible for every person. And from that, essentially, like, it's good to motivate people. But then you kind of, then you push into the shame, like the shame category. Mm. Because people, like, you can't obviously take responsibility for someone feeling to an extent the shame that they can feel. But do you know what I mean? Like, it's that really fine line between balancing things and it doesn't always balance and that's also okay. Yeah. So are you saying that maybe he was saying that that's what every single day looks like, but really that might just be one really good day in his life that he's highlighted. And oh no, he actually, he, it was like an infographic mm. square on Instagram with the times and things. And he was trying to, he was trying to highlight how much he can fit into a day. And I was like, yeah, that's great. Like that's good for you and you're really successful. And I support that. And I love that, but it's just not practical for everybody. Yeah, and that also depends on what you're defining success as too, because success to him is obviously. 100%. But I think this applies to all, uh, like, different types of things within the fitness industry and all the rest of it. Um, one of the biggest things that I think is a, an issue at the moment is this whole like you've got to grind, both in fitness uh, and in business, in order oh. to thrive. It's this the is a very triggering comment. It's the Let's whole like, you know, the, the Gary V approach and like, cool, it works. But that dude's also probably going to die at 60. Like if you look at him, he's aged 50 years in the last five. Um, and I, I think the biggest issue is though, that most people don't take a step back and, decide, and actually understand, well, one, what is health to you? And then also what is success to you both in your physical, social, family, psychological, financial, and all those things that we've talked about before. 
Because if you don't know where you're going, how the fuck do you set it up to a point where you can actually do it in a manner that is sustainable? It's the same with weight loss. Mm. You know, you've got to you've got to have a, a goal in mind so you can measure your progress towards that goal. Because otherwise, you don't know if hundred percent succeeded or not. Mm. And that, like that right there, and I saw Lizzie laughing because I was getting really triggered because that to me is the one, probably aside from all of the shit information that exists within the industry, that right there is one of the worst things I think that has flown around. Like, yeah, there are times you have to work hard. Like, I'm absolutely not skirting away from that. Um, but like I saw, as an example, there's a, a fairly well-known coach on the Gold Coast who she was, like, she tested positive for diuretics last year. And I saw her posting up an infographic, like a, a post the other day talking about she's getting up, like she's training twice a day and doing all this shit. And I'm like, but why, mm. why are you doing this? There is no merit to doing this. And there are so many coaches that still follow that practice and that principle of I've got to train, you know, you've got to train four, five, six, seven times a day to achieve results. But why tell me why, if you mm. can work at that level for that long, then what you're doing either sucks or you're not doing it properly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what other things in your life are suffering because of it? But it, definitely if you've got an extreme goal in mind, like a competition, some of those aspects of health do need to take a sideline while you focus on that. Absolutely. But for most people, they're just trying to look good naked. Um, and or even just in a t-shirt. Or, or look good in a t-shirt. <laughs> well, what's the point if your life is crumbling around you, really? Mm. Um, but, but to pull this back to, to body image, um, I can definitely understand, like we touched on why people feel, um, the temptation to get leaner and be more muscular. And, but if we're looking at what health is that being the leanest and being the most muscular doesn't have, it isn't really, you can't take a snapshot of that in a picture. I can't Not ask you to get into your bra and undies, me take a picture and then I can define your health. That's not the case. It's a different rating system. Usually when someone gives you a 7 out of 10 when you got you just your, your birthday suit on, it's usually not got anything to do with your health. No, that is a different But apparently system. on Instagram it does. Mm -hmm. Yes. So there's lots of, uh, well, boys as well. But I'm going to say there's a lot of females out there who kind of give in to the temptation to take very sexy photos and call it fitness even though they're literally in lingerie bent over on the bed, they're not even in the gym. Like it's, it's soft porn and use it to build a following on social media for what purpose I do not know. Um, but really what I love about you, Alicia, is that you don't use, you don't objectify your body. You don't use sex to help people. What you do is you use your brain you. and you use like practical things that people can really take away and improve their life. Um, even though you might be able to get more likes if you were in lingerie bent over. You're pretty sexy, so I'm sure you could. Those, those <laughs> people liking and following aren't the ones that are listening to your information. They're looking at your no. arm. Mm. Not at all. And it's, it's actually really funny because now with the magazine, so like just for some, I guess, just for some backstory, like um, we, for those who don't know about the Strong Woman Project, like how we, so just over a year ago, a friend of mine and I, did this like photography um, project, taking photos of all different shapes of women who lifted weights to share their story, to show that there is no one size kind of fits all image look or, you know, for being, I guess, healthy in a sense. Yeah. Um, but it's also been one of the, the biggest challenges we have with the magazine because 
trying to set out to find women to be a part of our advisory board, for example, like you, Lizzie, that are following those sorts of same principles. And I'm like, I'm, if anyone wants to post a photo about themselves because they're proud of it, then great, go for it. Like I'm the first person to be like, yeah, love it. You know, your ass looks amazing. But it's in context, I think, is probably the piece of this that's missing. And so trying to find women within the industry who were really like fairly intelligent, could provide good quality information, had good personality and good branding and weren't about that is actually really, really hard. And even from our end, looking for women from the front cover where they're wanting to like, we're wanting to like, we're wanting to help women. We're wanting to show women that there is more like there is more out there than what they think there is that they don't need to appeal in that way. Like if it suits them, then fine, they're happy, but there is more out there essentially and better quality information and who we put on the front cover really greatly impacts that. And like, we've been approached by quite a few influencers who like, we don't want to entertain that discussion because of everything that we're talking about, because we're not confident that we want to be aligned with like their principles or lack of I guess yeah but like we're not we're not in the 20s as well you know so no 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 so me and you would define ourselves as proud feminists is that fair to say that sounds very fair yeah okay so for women out there who think that we're trying to shame women who are putting up their bodies online that's not at all what we're doing as people who support women doing whatever they want um we're fine with that people shouldn't be shamed for their body um but what we're saying is that sexuality isn't the way to help people. We're saying that the way to help people is by sure, if you want to show off how fit you look or how healthy you look, that's fine. But doing it in a sexual manner is usually done so that you can get more followers. Um, and as, as women in the industry, it, it upsets me to know that sexuality has become such a big part of that. Well, it's almost become the norm in the absence of uh, good quality content that people can learn from. Like, I think the thing that people like, because we've lived in this sort of gamification world now for the last 10 years where people are liking and subscribing and following and all that kind of jazz and everyone's just a number and trying to achieve this sort of, this top of the scale level of followers and all the rest of it. They chase numbers instead of recognizing that the numbers aren't really the important part behind it. Like they're getting followers from nobodies who provide no value back to the industry. All they are doing is just giving you a self sense of satisfaction that you may have made it. You know, um, absolutely. Dean and I had a, a business coach yeah. and he asked us what our goals were. So he was like, how much money do you want to earn? Like, when can you get this amount of followers? And like, but Dean and I both paused and we were like, oh, the numbers we want to focus on. It's how many people we can help. Yeah. We could have a million followers. I don't care. But if we're not actually providing content to help them. Like, so we were like, no, no, we're not setting those targets, mm. which I think was challenging for him because that's usually the framework that he works with. But it is true because I even find myself like, like more power to women for having the, the confidence to like put themselves out there and wear whatever they want and all the rest of it. Like it's awesome. But then I also get frustrated because I work alongside very strong women, both from brains and physical uh, in this industry. I even prep people. And a lot of my messaging is not around like, like, why do you have to do that? Like, if you want to, cool, but just know that it comes with the, the potential, I'll say consequence, for lack of a better word, that then if you are trying to portray a message to other people that isn't related to sexuality, then why align it with it? Yeah. You know? So it's, it yeah, is it's a, a real tough one. 
it is a really tough one and I don't think there's any kind of right or wrong answer here like I'm like I'm absolutely literally the first person to like we there should be no shame in us being able to promote our own sexuality and being comfortable like comfortable in our own sexuality and like none of that is a problem um I have a really good friend who I used to work with a few years ago who she runs like nude female yoga and does a lot of things about like body empowerment and body positivity. And like, she does a lot of content producing in regards to that. I love that, but there's nothing overly dirty about what she does. And I think that's probably the best differentiation that I can make. There is an element and a difference between being proud of who you are and your body and what you've worked for and posting imagery and photos about that. Like there's no shame in that and that's fine. And if that's what you're looking for, then fucking write it. Like that's cool. Like mm. I would be the first person to being like, yeah, like go for it. Like if you want to post a photo in your booty shorts and your bikini because you want people to like it, sweet, awesome, good on you. But it's the, I think it's the, like the, not even discretionary, but I think it's like the passive, like subconscious innuendos of the attention seeking that's dangerous. And it's more so I think about it, you know, it like it toes a very gray line here because there's the, and I don't agree with this, but there's that thinking as well, like for women who, this is probably a little bit deep for this, but who have experienced like, you know, harassment or sexual assault or things. And you get that crowd of people saying, oh, you were wearing it, you were asking for it. And I don't, I don't think that at all. And I, I, I mm. fucking hate that. But I think, yeah, absolutely. And I think it's not about that. It's just, I think it's more about that there is, we, we can do more and we can be more. Like we don't have to walk around in like hazmat suits at all. But we can, like there is more to us than what the industry is still pushing on us you know we it is okay to be smart it is okay to be strong it's okay like there's a whole facebook page that i've followed now and it's called you look like a man and it's full of like comments that women have heard from lifting weights from men and it's horrible but funny because i of- contribute to that page a lot <laughs> i've gotten many comments even from my own mum. <laughs> It's, but it's terrible. And that's the thing, like, we're still so railroaded by like expectations of, you know, you should look pretty, but don't say anything, but don't look too pretty and, you know, be sexy, but don't look too sexy. But it's like, I think it's just more what we're trying to say is be confident in the fact that if you are smart, stand up and say something like, don't be afraid to have an opinion and stand out and push back on people because you don't agree with something, you know? Yeah. Yeah, And that you don't need to use a fitness picture to portray the depths of your brain. No. no, absolutely. Yeah. And I think like if, um, here's, here's a hot tip for anyone that's on Instagram that has a large amount of followers, but wants to have a, an influence on the industry for the positive in regards to bringing more and more good quality content, put a question box in, in your story and see how many people reply. What sort of question? Any question. Ask me a question about fitness and nutrition. Because even in the guy world, to be honest, this works perfectly too, because I know people that have 25 and 50,000 followers that won't get questions, you know, because they're followed by muscle workers. Because people don't care what their answers yeah. are. Yeah, I have, really I have yeah. friends that have 40,000 followers, 40, followers versus their friend that has 15,000 followers. But if it was to book tickets to talk to them in a seminar and determine who they're going to listen to, they're going for the person with the least amount of followers because they produce the best, most amount of uh, high quality content. So like, I think content has to always associate itself at the same time. You can't just go ham on someone's page of just fitness pictures well i think this comes down to people's why like we're very clear on our why Mm. and it's raising the industry standard and Mm. creating positive permanent change and we can't do that by putting up sexy photos and getting people to like it 
because that doesn't achieve why we entered the industry or why we do what we do. Yeah. But if people, you know, maybe they're suffering with low self-esteem and they get a, a pick-me-up from, you know, 200 plus likes or something, then maybe that's their why. They started their Instagram so that they can feel better about themselves. Mm. Uh, it might just come down to simply just that. True, but even... My, um, go for it, Alicia. I was going to say, my cousin is an influencer in New Zealand. So right. he actually won, he'd laugh, he actually won Mr. Gay in New Zealand a few years ago and has like 90,000 followers or something. So we, because when I went over and saw them last, it was just after Instagram got rid of the visible likes. Yeah. And like, he's very aware of the fact that it, like it definitely feathers a, like an aspect of narcissism in his personality. But he said like, I love seeing the fact that my photos are getting 30,000 likes. Like, I love it. And I was like, it's like, a, yeah, I know, but I love the, like the brutal honesty from him. But it's literally like a, it's like a drug. Like it's absolutely like a drug for some, not everybody, but for some of them seeing that interaction. What happened? And then on when, the, sorry, you go. No, no, I was going to say he can still see it now, but it just shits him that nobody else can. Oh. Um, but then on the flip side, and I found this really interesting, talking to a fairly well-known influencer who does put out good content is really authentic and real. And she said to me, since the likes have gone off Instagram where people can't see them, she's getting more. Because no one can see what's going on with other people liking it anymore. And they're not afraid to like her stuff because other people can't see it. Like, isn't that in itself interesting? Yeah, yeah. totally. Well, even if I was to look at um, what kind of people I get respond to a picture of a bodybuilding uh, shop that I put up versus the people that enter my inbox on a question and answer day, they're two different Into people. my inbox. I like that. They just slide <laughs> in, you know? Slide in. They're two different people, for sure. Right, you so know? who are the people liking your shirtless photos? Oh, other people within the industry that are just bodybuilding, right. only care about okay. muscle, they think you look awesome and they've got, you know, enough yeah. brain cells to say, yeah, bro. Um, and then the other people are generally like <laughs> other trainers, other individuals that are trying to better their approach and they're asking questions that are very specific to upskilling knowledge. Yeah. You know, you know if there's lots of factors when choosing a coach and maybe one legitimate thing could be how in shape that coach is because it at least proves that they themselves can do it but oh, by the same token dean and i talk about it all the time we know lots of coaches who are very much in shape but they have mm. no idea like how to guide a client there or what health really looks like because they just take a lot of drugs or they train the house down and the rest of their life is crumbling mm. or, you know, they're, they're a quick gainer or whatever the, whatever it might be. Mm. So even though it may be a factor in determining what coach to choose, it's definitely not the only thing we should be looking at. We should be looking at, is their content actually helpful and understandable? Uh, what's their communication skills like? Are they accessible? Do they give a shit? Mm. Well, I think the only think thing lean proves is that you have the ability to suffer enough through hunger. That's really all. Absolutely. Any idiot can, any idiot can cause anyone else to lose weight. Like that's the easy part. Mm. Like in, like in theory, hands down. But I think it's like you just said, it's the, it's the awareness of the health factors. It's the awareness of someone's mental state. It's the awareness of, um, like the context, like the context that a lot of the principles are being applied in. And just because someone has been like, and this is kind of reflective back to powerlifting for this instance, just because someone has been successful or coached other successful athletes doesn't mean that they are 
I was going to say it doesn't mean they're good, but good is also a very subjective term because just because like, say for example, within powerlifting, just because you have clients that win comps or do really well, does that a sense essentially make you a good coach? Well, yes, if you are going to someone to do those things, yeah, absolutely. But again, at what risk? Like I can think of, um, I can think of a, a, quite a few coaches who like, from my perspective, I would not necessarily categorize them as safe or, you know, mm. with someone's best interest at heart. And I've seen some, unfortunate transformations with like female clients for example where they've been peddled a lot of peds that are not necessarily um good long term Performance but you know drugs for our listeners who don't know what peds is so no thank you lizzie yeah, i didn't yeah. think of that but it's you know and again is it relative to that person's goals yeah maybe has that person gone to that coach and said i want to win at all costs maybe but mm-hmm. then then at what point does that make that person a good coach? Are they a good coach because they're doing what the client has asked? Yeah, for argument's sake, absolutely. But in my perspective, from my point of view, that doesn't make someone necessarily a good coach when it's done at the loss of a multitude of other health factors. Mm, we actually fix some people who have really been ruined by other coaches. They come to us and they say, man, like I've lost my period or guys say like, can't get my dick hard or whatever it is. Like there's clearly some serious um, health consequences to what's gone on or their marriage has broken down or this or that. So like you said, yeah, they might've got the result they wanted, but they didn't foresee all of these other things. And sometimes sacrificing some elements of health is necessary, but too Absolutely. often people sacrificing things that are unnecessary. The, the females don't point? need to take that much drugs or the guys should have reversed much faster or mm. we, we really need to consider that to be a good coach. And I don't think just the end result on one day determines a good coach. Mm. I think uh, no. the message here is kind of like most people look at the result and then associate the result as in how they look like, whether it's just a, a bikini picture, uh, a dude in his trunks, whatever it may be as a proxy for whether or not that person knows what they're talking about. But like, I know plenty of fitness competitors that I've either spoken with, consulted with, or coached that on the outside, on their Instagram, look like they're living an amazing life. And I know their shit is just messed the fuck up behind the scenes. So instead of looking at people's pictures and them as individuals as um, as motivation, ask them questions for content to provide you with education to improve your life. And if you can't get that from that individual, it's likely all they're in it for is likes, double taps and love hearts. Yeah. Uh, But if they're there to provide actual content for you, that's where health comes from. It's from the information. Like we said, not from the picture. You know what, actually, that's so funny. You say that because online we we have some friends in real life in relationships and we know they're on the verge of breaking up or they're fighting all the time or they're having affairs on each other and then they go and who, post who was it? <laughs> i'm not going to name and shame on the podcast you know who you are if you're listening um and then online man you would think they're so in love and the honeymoon has never ended mm. and, amazing hey yes oh my god dean and i never talk about each other online i'll put up a like a joke about him i actually Please don't die because I don't want to do the car radio. Yes, yes, stuff like that. Like, <laughs> I need you around to do my tax, don't die. Um, but we have a great relationship. So the same can go for Instagram. It's the highlight reel of someone's life or someone's life is falling apart and they're trying to hide that so badly by making it look the opposite. Yeah. Do you know what? I think a really good way to summarize and to back up what you're saying as well is it's almost like when you have a conversation with someone and they say something that you feel triggers you personally, because it's usually an area that you're particularly sensitive about. So I think 
within like social media and that the need to substantiate certain areas is probably because you're not feeling the fulfillment that you need to get from those areas. Mm. I'm the same as you. I think I, I post about Stu maybe on his birthday if I remember, and no, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> but I don't, I don't need to, like, I really don't because at the end of the day, the only person that really matters about that is like Stu and the boys. And, you know, every now and then I'll, I don't actually, I don't think I've done a post for a while. Maybe it was when I finished competing, but you know, like I don't, I don't need to feel the need to substantiate that from complete strangers because I can, I can provide myself with my own level of gratification and comfort and know where I am as a person and that I need that. And you know what? It's okay if you don't, but finding healthier outlets for it is probably a better, like a better solution than, you know, seeking it from thousands and thousands of strangers online that really mean five eighths of fuck all. Yeah. You know, when you break it down like that, it's quite odd that people announce to the world how much they love their partner. Like, why does that matter? That everyone Especially is... if you live together. Well, you can tell me to my Yeah, friend, absolutely. Weird, man. You need to, like, like, we're laying in bed not talking and you're telling everyone how great our relationship is and we're like, not even. Well, I can't tell you. To back. Yeah. It's too personal. <laughs> it is a really you know, I think... thing, eh? Like, it's happened a lot. It's, it's fucking weird. I've never got it. Yeah. But. Neither do I. And to me, it's a really big red flag as well. Like if someone's mm. posting a lot about something like that, it to me, I'm like, what is like, what is actually going on here? Like, what are you hiding? What are you hiding behind essentially? Yeah. You know? Yeah. I feel like um, Instagram highlight reel is almost like even we talk about like, you know, what are the expected outcomes of a given say nutritional protocol? Uh, there's a bell curve that everyone sits within. Most people sit in the middle. There's a couple of people that are on the left, a couple of people on the right. And then there's people that sit outside that bell curve. And it's kind of like anyone that's going hard at any particular principle of life are generally the ones that have got a lot of other shit going on. Mm. And that's they're not, not, they're not to say that we think uh, your relationship shit house. If you tell social media, it's great. <laughs> no, absolutely. But more so if we're like honing in on that one. Yeah. Extremism. Yeah. If there's a post, you know, every few days or, you know, every other week, like, do you really need to tell everyone that often? Um, but, but anyways, the take-home messages that we're trying to put forward here is we don't need to look a certain way or tell everyone how fantastic our health or body or relationship is to actually be healthy because we can't see what health looks like. Sure, we can see if somebody is 150 kilos, there may be some issues going on. So certainly, Absolutely. visually, we've got some suggestions there. But, you know, if we're within the range of body fat, you don't have to be impressively lean. Um, you know, even up to fairly chubby, there can be a spectrum of health. Um, Absolutely. And, and typically, if somebody looks like they're just about to jump on stage and they're really muscular and they're really lean, that's actually a suggestion that they're not healthy at all. Their body fat levels are too low. The amount of time and energy they need to put into training means they're sacrificing maybe, you know, the hours that they need to be successful at their job, their yeah. relationships. Yeah, the irony here is that those that look apparently the, the fittest from a body fat point of view on social media are likely going to be the unhealthiest in as many of those little different parts of what we said health was at the beginning of this podcast. So don't use them as your representation. Mm. Or your Absolutely. And if you look at the different health factors as little, like as almost like jars of pebbles. So at one point in time to achieve one thing, you're going to have to take pebbles from one jar to fill up the other one and then potentially move them back again. But if you're talking about corporate lean, you're going to have to literally take most of the pebbles and all of the other jars, which is family, friends, work, you know, life, mental health. And you're going to have to overfill one jar to eat to get there. 
and at the at the, like basically at the detriment of everything else. And at some point, you've got to put those pebbles back to get back to a level of normality and health. Yeah. I don't know about you, but Dean got some comments when he was at the peak of his leanness coming into your show, like, man, you look so good. You must feel on top of the world. Did you get those sorts of comments when you were coming into oh, your Oh, God, yeah. And everyone's like, oh, my God, you look amazing. You must feel so good. And I'm like, man, I can't even get my ass out of bed properly. Like, let alone, like, I'm lucky if I can string a sentence together, yeah. let alone, like, you know, feeling really good. And it, it's one of those things, like, it's the things you have to, like, you have, the things you have to sacrifice to get to that level, like you've got to love it. Like you've really got to love it. Or you've got to have a lot of self-hatred. One yes. of the two. Oh, 100%. Yep. <laughs> but it's true. Like, I'm like walking is now a choice that I have to make. Like to look like this, it's no longer a matter of just human locomotion. It's a matter of, can I do this? Mm, I have yeah, to. absolutely. All right, here we go. You know. Now for those listening who think that we're now saying being lean is unhealthy, again, we're talking about being extremely lean. Yes. Um, and the mechanisms behind that Excellent. is yeah, we've got this energy balance that we need. We expend some energy, we we consume some energy. And to get to that level of leanness, we need to expend far more than we're consuming. And over time our body uh goes through what we call negative metabolic adaptations where things occur to slow or stop down uh, or slow down, sorry, that weight loss process just as a survival mechanism to avoid starvation. So look, I used to, oh, sorry, you go. Sorry, keep going. No, no, no. I was just going to say to back up what Dean was saying about the walking thing. Like I used to put off going to the toilet for as long as I could because like walking to oh the toilet God, was hard. Crazy. Do you know what I mean? Like, but the thing is, it's like, I didn't even diet excessively hard, you know, like I had a really, really good coach who looked out for me and but even in that point, and like it still, it does. It gets like it's a choice. Yeah, 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 totally. So, <laughs> man, the first things that we see when people start to go into a pretty harsh deficit is that let's say they they're averaging ten thousand steps a day, not trying, just generally walking around doing the grocery shopping. When they go into a deficit, that might naturally just decrease to seven thousand, eight thousand steps. So all of a sudden, they're uh, affecting the calorie balance no longer in favor of fat loss. So this is just Absolutely. one mechanism. That's because they're, they're feeling fatigued and their body is trying to slow them down. But also hunger hormones are up. So you're now fighting these cravings and your sleep uh, starts to suffer and, and all these things. So for those listening and, and are really confused at why you might be feeling your shittest when you're looking your best, <laughs> this is why. Yeah, so don't, don't seek the, uh, the extreme look as your uh, measure reference health. or measure. As for your health. measure of normal. Yeah. And I think also, and I see this again and again, still having a lot to do with in bodybuilding. Like you see competitors who start storing massive like galleries or following all these pages and instead of like food pages, like it's very normal when you get to that level of leanness to for some level of that. But I think, it's also to an extent glorified and the like, you know, the glorification of having like a truckload of donuts when you get off stage and this and that, like it shouldn't be put up on that much of a pedestal. Like it absolutely should not. And it is so, it is, I think so many people don't realize the potential risks of going down that path and putting that behavior on a pedestal because people are like it's one donut. It's okay, but it's not, it's, it's the glorification. Eating. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's the glamorification of traditional and non-traditional shit and or good and bad food, you know? Yeah. I fucking hate hearing clients that are being rewarded, air quotes, by their friends with not just a donut post-comp. Oh my God. Like, yes. Guess what, man? Comp finished here. I bought you seven donuts. I'm like, when in any time in the world would you give your friends seven donuts? Like, 
And why do you think that this time makes it okay to do that to them? And like, fuck you for trying to derail their opportunity just to get back to life normally. Yeah, when so, they're primed for weight gain, when they're at their hungriest. Not even that. Absolutely. So my final message for this podcast is if you're a friend of a friend who competes, help them out of their fucking diet. Don't derail them by buying them a bunch of fucking calorically dense food. It's just like you don't eat the, eat the food for them. Don't treat your friend like that. It's fucking weird. Again, like it's a, it's an odd, odd thing to do. Um, Indeed. But anyway. Indeed it is. All right, let's move into the fun rounds. Yes, moving into our segments. So, uh, Alicia, we have a couple of, we have two little segments. We get people to, to uh, help guests, not help guests out with, help people that are listening out with. They're called listeners. Um, <laughs> and the first one is, is if you have anything to add um, that you think is worth sharing. Don't be afraid, or actually probably a couple of things. Like, don't be afraid to ask why. Like, I know there is this whole mentality about fun, you know, following your listening to what your coach says and following what they say and trusting them, ask why. And if someone cannot give you a valid response, it's not, you've got to ask yourself why, because that is a massive red flag. Anyone who is a good coach should be able to provide you with good quality information and evidence to back it up. And the only way that we will make any change in the industry is encouraging people to ask why. Yeah. Um, and I think something else I'd add to is like, I've just been reading. So one of the best pieces of advice I like that really stuck with me was whenever I'm in the car now or like anything that's a dead time, essentially like that, use it to the best of your abilities. Like I said, I smash audible. I love audible so much because I can, like I can back up books and listen to them whenever I'm in the car. So I know everyone loves podcasts, but you know, I'm really time poor and I love reading. So listen to them. I'm just finishing a book by Brene Brown, who is, phenomenal cannot recommend her enough um and then the next book i'll move on to will be something totally different yeah cool i'm, I'm also loving audiobooks i have this rule for my audiobooks that so i've bought and read some really thick books and god damn it takes a long time to get through so i like to do the really big books on audio so if a book a great is idea. five hours or less i'm just gonna read it but for the yep. really lengthy books, I, I can absorb it much better if I get through it quickly. Um, speed it up. Yeah, yeah. So that's my rule for audiobooks. Um, okay, cool. I love that. So what was the book that you recently read that you said you can't um, recommend her enough? Um, hang on. Let me look it up because I was listening to it on the drive back today. I've read Daring Greatly and that one was, or listened to Daring Greatly and that one was really awesome. I think her one, this one is more about vulnerability and shame. And it's been really, and it's called The Power of Vulnerability. And it's like, it's something that I really have struggled with in the past is being able to like turn up and lean into being in those moments of needing to be vulnerable because I'm always of the like, and this is no bad thing to my mom, but my mom was always, you know, like always presented to me that she had everything together and everything was fine. And so now I kind of don't have any middle ground for being able to put my hand up and say, like I'm not okay, or this is what's really going on. And it's very easy to default to that situation where everything is okay. And I'm learning very fast over the last sort of six months to a year, the, the importance of having those authentic conversations with people and saying, do you know what, like, like I've fucked up here or I'm really struggling or this is what's going on. I really need your help. And yeah. being able to do that has been really tough, but books like Brene's have been, she's amazing. She's so easy to listen to and so easy to engage with. And I think so many people probably experience the same challenges. Mm. Mm. Where they feel like they, their life has to be like the highlight reel of their Instagram. Mm -hmm. So the power Absolutely. of Cool. Yeah. Cool. Love it. 
Now, I would like for you to share with us an embarrassing gym moment. Oh my God, an embarrassing gym moment. Um, oh, actually, I have, I have a couple. So oh. when you've been coaching and the best part of the gym is full and you get up and you smash your head on the barbell and oh. because you've completely <laughs> forgotten where it is. Um, misloading bars. This is a really good favorite pastime oh of mine when you go to and rack something that's completely misloaded, like 20 kilo plate difference and you lose plates off the side of a squat bar. That one's always a, that's a total favorite of mine. I'm not training. Like, how did you fail that 40? Oh, it was 60. Cool. That's so yeah, Exactly. <laughs> Do you tell those are probably my, like my, my, I'm a, um, I'm a constant achiever in those zones for repeat offender. Ooh. Yeah, at least you're consistent. Is that misloading for yourself or misloading for clients? Both. Uh, that would be both. That would be that would be very much both. And when friends. Your clients have been misloaded. Do you tell them? Yeah, because I'm usually like dying of laughter because I'm like I've fucked up here and you've still done it. <laughs> <laughs> that's, awesome. that's a win anyway. <laughs> All right. So uh, the final three questions of the podcast. First question. We'll go with the fun one. If you were to be arrested and nobody knew why, what would your family and friends believe you did wrong? Um, God, I feel like um, my first is running naked down the street, potentially. The second nudist. Dalton ever, said that too. Don't ever drink with Dalton. <laughs> I don't know. Um, road, actually, no, oh no, road rage is a bad one because there's been so much shit around road rage at the moment. Um, I'll stick with the I'll stick with the nudity one. That one's safe good. Safe road rage. Mm. Safe. safe road rage. Yeah. yeah. Verbal road rage. <laughs> All right. You and Dalton should have a drink or two together yeah. and see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> or potentially not. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we'll take you two apart. Um, now, if you could solve any mystery, anything at all, what would it be? Ooh. So like the first thoughts that pop into my head are like all the like the normal ones like who like you know who shot JFK was it really a conspiracy who killed Marilyn Monroe, <laughs> um, oh that's a really good one or like the twin towers yes like, like I'm not a massive conspiracy theorist like I'm not a tinfoil hat flat earther but it would be like I think some of those ones would probably um. Yeah, some of those are interesting. You know which one that isn't interesting, and I think people are fucking retards, is there's Holocaust Donald Trump. deniers. Yeah, oh, Holocaust too. Deniers. There's Holocaust deniers. Like, fucking... what the fuck? Oh, I've just finished reading, highly recommend, just finished reading on one of the plane trips back from Melbourne, um, The Tattooist of Auschwitz. If you have oh, not yeah. read it, oh my God, amazing. Um, do you know what? It would, oh, I don't like... I'm really torn about this answer because I want to say is another flip side. And I always thought this even before mum died. And then after she died, like I still stand by this is, and it's probably not one that everyone would agree with me about is actually like the cure for cancer. Mm -hmm. Because I remember mum and I used to have these conversations as well, because I'm like, at the end of the day, part of it is still, it's our ecological system trying to find that balance to an extent, mm. you know, and it's, but it's at the same time, like so many people suffer from such a shit disease. So potentially as a side note something like that but i think the conspiracy theories are probably like are definitely more up there and donald trump because he's a conspiracy theory yeah he really is nobody knows. uh that's my trigger let's not go third question ammo's <laughs> <laughs> loaded um the third question third and final is a would you rather yes it would is. I rather. <laughs> oh goodness if it's pepsi and coke i'm gonna go coke <laughs> 
Would you rather be stuck in a banana costume forever or be stuck with those glasses that have the fake nose and moustache attached to it? A hundred percent the fake glasses and the moustache attached to them. That is brilliant. <laughs> but so people want rules, your own wedding. Like... You're like Mr. Potato Head. Yeah. But that would be amazing. Can you imagine how like practically like logistically difficult being in a banana suit would be? Like you couldn't even go grocery shopping because you'd be like trying to walk around like this all the time. I think it'd be a problem. Going to the toilet would be a problem. At least with the glasses, like you can still function. I will allow you the bum flap on the banana suit. <laughs> well, listen, not a not a uh, funny story for the gym, but on the banana suit, and we can finish on this one. Yes. I once went to a Disney theme party party. Right. Oh, I went to because he's a legend, and my friend went as Buzz Lightyear. Now, upon finishing the party, which was a house party, we all decided to go out into West End in Brisbane and we all wore our costumes. His Buzz Lightyear costume was a zip up from top of crack to shoulder. So it was a full body suit. From the back. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Now, a man that requires the ability to stand at a trough and pee can't do that in a bodysuit, especially can't do it well when drunk. So Not at all. I had to take him to the bathroom. He had to, I had to unzip him to his ass, he then had to <laughs> roll it off his shoulders, hand me the suit, and I would stand behind him holding the suit while he basically looked like a five-year-old with his clothes around his ankles <laughs> as he in the trunk. That's a good and I just oh my God. And I remember this guy walks in and just goes, whoa, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen some weird shit on acid, bro, and that's still the weirdest thing I've ever seen in my life. Aladdin then, holding <laughs> Buzz yeah, Aladdin holding Buzz Lightyear's suit while he peed at Now, I will have you know... I at least he wasn't in a Woody costume. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would have been very drawn to you that night because as a little girl, I always thought Aladdin was the sexiest cartoon man alive. And I was always so jealous of Jasmine because she got to be the girlfriend of Aladdin. I don't know what I saw in Aladdin, but he was so dreamy. Is there a name for people that are into cartoons? I'm not anymore. Probably. There would be. A, there would be. Yeah, yeah no, the good. Japanese are into animation, not into cartoons. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Um, but anyways, I'm past that stage now, so Aladdin is not allowed in the bedroom. Mm. No, I agree. Definitely. <laughs> On that note, <laughs> thanks for listening, everyone. And where can people find you, Alicia, if they wanted to track you down to, either, I don't know, hear more about the magazine, um, yeah. which I think is a really awesome contribution for the industry. So thank you for your work there. Um, a lot of thank you magazines. For contributing. Yeah, no, my pleasure. Yeah, so I, I have a regular column in, in the Strong Fit magazine, part of the uh, Strong Camp, it's called. So every release I write on a particular topic to do with training. And what I love about it is I'm not asked to promote any products. Um, I'm not asked to have any limitations. I just get to give like the raw truth and raw science. They're not trying to push any any sales of supplements. So. What I am actually writing in the magazine is just things that I think will be helpful for people who are reading. And that's what the whole magazine is. I think you mentioned to me in private chat conversation that you, um, you know, aren't accepting promotions of products that you don't believe to have scientific backing. And that is rare, yeah. really gratifying. So, yeah, we, we do have like a, almost like a little blacklist essentially for products that we won't, um, that we won't well, take on board. Quick. Detox, waist trainers, name I'll help you out. What else can we shame. get? Cayenne pepper, detox diet, fuck you. Um, <laughs> Isogenics, Isogenics, jump off a cliff. Herbalife, all uh, of those guys. So 
one of the things that we're trying, like one of our main goals that the editor and I have with the mag is that we really are trying to bring more of a science, like more science to mainstream, if you will. So all of the things that we're trying to do is actually provide a proper vehicle for women within the industry and men, I guess, um, because a lot of the articles are pertinent to men as well, where they can read information that is like is verified, it is validated, it has come from really reliable sources. And like we try really hard with a lot of our sources to ensure they are like I vet a lot of them with Caitlin um, to make sure that I know that they are good quality people. And if I can't vet them, I ask people that I know and respect who can vet them mm -hmm. to make sure that we are providing like the best quality we can essentially with the mainstream publications. So yeah. if that you is our goal. accept Herbalife and Isogenics, I'm sure you would be financially rewarded for that. So hats off to you for not doing that um, in the name of your why, which is mm. having a positive impact on the industry. But where can people find the magazine? Or you. So, or you. Or me. So I'm on Instagram. Um, I'm pretty easy to find. I'm just Alicia Fistinich at Instagram. On Instagram. On Instagram. Um, mm. The mag is strongfitnessmag underscore AU on Instagram and on Facebook. It's just strongfitnessmagaus. Um, so they're probably the two, like two of the best channels. I'm on LinkedIn as well. And so is the magazine. Um, and to buy the magazine, you can find it through Nutrition Warehouse and through all major new, like, news agencies and on our website, which is strongfitnessmag.com.au. Awesome. awesome. Love it. All right, guys. So we'll wrap it up there. Um, reminder that the Life After Dieting book is locked and loaded. So that's aimed at people who have already lost the weight they wanted to lose or gained uh, and are looking to maintain their results with while still, I guess, giving uh, contributions to other aspects of their health. Mm -hmm. um, we've got our research review. We do one-on-one -on -one coaching. We do consultations. Mm -hmm. So you can check us out on Instagram and Facebook and YouTube mm -hmm. and the podcast. That's YouTube, not YouTube. <laughs> I didn't say that. No, you didn't. But just for those that are playing at home that do say that. Yeah, I know. You're not allowed to, to follow us because I don't like YouTube. Yeah, weird. Unacceptable. So is Pepsi Max drinking, but, you know. And Agreed. we're just about to turn off the recording. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everyone. Until next time. Thanks, Alicia.